Hi, welcome to the podcast. In this session, we will cover acute pyelonephritis in pregnancy. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Pyelonephritis is the most common urinary tract complication in pregnant women, occurring in approximately 2% of all pregnancies. Acute pyelonephritis is characterized by fever, flank pain, and tenderness, in addition to significant bacteria and pyuria. Other symptoms may include nausea, vomiting, frequency, urgency, and dysuria. Acute pyelonephritis is suggested by the presence of flank pain and cosmorotebral angle tenderness, with or without these typical symptoms of cystitis. However, it is confirmed by the finding of bacteria. For pregnant women who present with these symptoms, it's important to do a urinalysis as well as a urine culture. Pyuria is present in the majority of women with pyelonephritis, and its absence suggests an alternative diagnosis or perhaps complete obstruction of the urinary tract system. Although many pregnant women have back or flank pain without pyelonephritis, it's important to have a low threshold for evaluation for bacteria and a diagnosis for pylo in pregnancy because these symptoms are associated with increased rate of complications because of the condition. Infections result from ascending colonization of the urinary tract primarily by existing vaginal, perineal, and fecal flora. Various maternal physiological and anatomical factors predispose to this ascending infection. These factors include urinary retention caused by the weight of the enlarging uterus and urinary stasis due to progesterone-induced ural smooth muscle relaxation. Blood volume expansion is accompanied by an increase in the glomerular filtration rate and urinary output. Loss of urinal tone combined with increased urinary tract volume results in urinary stasis. This can lead to dilation of the ureters, the renal pelvis, and the calyxes. Urinary stasis and the presence of vesicle uteral reflux all predispose some women to upper urinary tract infections and acute pyelonephritis. Glycosuria and an increase in levels of urinary amino acids for amino acid urea during pregnancy are additional factors that may lead to UTI. In many cases, glucose excretion increases during pregnancy over non-pregnant values of about 100 milligrams per day. Glycosuria is due to impaired resorption by the collecting tubule and loop of Henle of the 5% of the filtered glucose which escapes proximal convoluted tubular reabsorption. All of these factors lead to an increase in the risk for pyelonephritis. Once a diagnosis of pyelonephritis is suspected, imaging is not routinely used to diagnose pyelonephritis. However, in patients with pylo who are severely ill or who do not respond to antibiotics after 48 hours or who have symptoms of renal colic, a history of stones, diabetes, a history of prior urological surgery, immunosuppression, or repeated episodes of pyelonephritis, then imaging of the kidneys can be helpful to exclude other causes or complications like perinephric abscess, or ureteral tract obstruction. All right, next, let's cover management. (music) 
management of acute pilo in pregnancy includes hospital admission for parenteral antibiotics. Antibiotic therapy can be converted to an oral regimen tailored to the susceptibility profile of the isolated organism following clinical improvement. Following the typical course, suppressive antibiotics are typically used for the remainder of the pregnancy to help prevent recurrence. Now, based upon the higher risk of complications in pregnancy, pilo has traditionally been treated with hospitalization and IV antibiotics until the woman is afebrile for 24 to 48 hours and symptomatically improved. Initial outpatient therapy of pregnant women with pilo has been attempted in carefully selected populations. That's patients who can tolerate PO, do not have severe leukocytosis on blood count, and who do not appear clinically sick. However, it is still traditional to do inpatient at least 24 to 48 hours of observation during initial antibiotic therapy to make sure complications like respiratory insufficiency do not develop during the acute treatment phase. Pregnant women can become quite ill and are at risk for both medical and obstetrical complications from pilo. This is why the recommendation for initial intravenous in-house antibiotics is in place. It has been estimated that as many as 20% of women with severe pilo can develop complications which include septic shock or urosepsis and acute respiratory distress syndrome. Parenteral broad-spectrum beta-lactams are the preferred antibiotics for initial therapy for palonephritis. Antibiotics can be adjusted once sensitivities return. For mild to moderate palonephritis, antibiotic options include ceftriaxone at 1 gram every 24 hours, or cefepime 1 gram every 12 hours, or ampicillin plus gentamicin. Because of concerns of aminoglycosides and fetal autotoxicity, these aminoglycosides like gentamicin should be used only other antibiotics are not available and at the lower dose and for the shortest amount of time possible until antibiotics can be adjusted based on culture sensitivities. For severe palonephritis, zosin may be used or meropenem. Pregnant women generally have definite improvement within 24 to 48 hours of appropriate antibiotic therapy. Now, once they febrile for 48 hours, pregnant patients can be switched to oral therapy guided by the culture susceptibility results and discharged home to complete a 10 to 14 day course of therapy. If symptoms and fever persist beyond the first 24 to 48 hours of treatment, then a repeat urine culture and renal ultrasound should be performed to rule out persistent infection and urinary tract pathology. For women who do not use antimicrobial prophylaxis for the duration of pregnancy following an episode of pilo, then it's recommended to check monthly urine cultures to evaluate for recurrent bacteriuria and treat as indicated because of the risk of recurrent polynephritis. Okay, let's wrap up this podcast with a quick word about causative agents for palonephritis. E. coli is the most common cause of urinary tract infection, accounting for about 80 to 85% of cases. It originates from fecal flora colonizing the periurethral area, causing ascending infection. Other pathogens include Klebsiella pneumoniae, Proteus mirabilis, Enterobacter species, Staph saprophyticus, Group B strep, and Proteus. Remember that gram-positive organisms like Enterococcus faecalis and GBS are clinically important pathogens. Infection with Staph saprophyticus is an aggressive community-acquired organism, can cause upper urinary tract disease, and this infection is more likely to be persistent or recurrent. Urea-splitting bacteria, including Proteus, Klebsiella, Pseudomonas, and coagulase-negative staph, alkalinize the urine and may be associated with struvite stones. 
Additionally, chlamydial infections are associated with sterile pyuria and account for more than 30% of atypical pathogens. GBS colonization has important implications during pregnancy. Intrapartum transmission leads to neonatal GBS infection and can cause pneumonia, meningitis, sepsis, and death. Current guidelines recommend universal vaginal and rectal screening in all pregnant women at 35 to 37 weeks gestation rather than treatment based on risk factors. However, if a patient does grow out GBS in the urine from a case of polynephritis, she should be considered a carrier for that pregnancy. Okay, let's wrap up with some quick clinical pearls regarding polynephritis in pregnancy. First, polynephritis tends to be the most frequent on the right side, probably because of the effect of dextral rotation of the uterus on the right ureter. Next is bilateral pilo, and the least infrequency is left isolated polynephritis. Most patients require inpatient IV antibiotics for the first 24 to 48 hours or until symptomatically improved. Although outpatient oral medication, oral antibiotic therapy can be done in select cases, caution should be advised since associated maternal and obstetric complications can accompany polynephritis. Pyelonephritis in pregnancy is associated with urosepsis, septic shock, and adult respiratory distress syndrome. Preterm labor and preterm rupture of membranes is also possible with this condition. Therefore, initial IV antibiotic therapy is recommended in patients who do not improve after 24 to 48 hours of IV antibiotics. Consideration should be given to obtaining imaging, mainly renal ultrasounds. This can identify either a stone or a perinephric abscess or other renal pathology causing the infection. Next, while ampicillin and gentamicin are listed as options for treatment in this case, remember that aminoglycosides like gentamicin are not primarily recommended mainly because of fears of fetal ototoxicity. If used, it should be used at the lowest dose possible and for the shortest amount of time pending urine culture sensitivities which would allow for antibiotic adjustment. Lastly, women with polynephritis in pregnancy require oral antibiotic therapy for suppression for the remainder of pregnancy, or alternatively, for women who choose not to take daily antibiotic suppression, then monthly urine cultures can be obtained to screen for asymptomatic bacteria because of the higher risk of recurrent infection. Okay, this wraps up our quick podcast covering polynephritis in pregnancy. We'll see you next time.